Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, or November 9th edition. I sure as hell wish it was October 9th right now. I could prepare myself for what lies ahead. Either way, I am here with Showdown Joe. We're talking UFC 205. We're talking John Jones. We're talking a little bit of UFC 206, technically. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, my man, but I can tell you one thing. Being a Canadian, uh, the only thing that uh, has been on all airwaves up here is obviously uh, the whole situation that happened down there with uh, Donald Trump being named or or being voted upon as president of the United States. It's been such a massive story here in Canada uh, that the former station that I used to work at, Sportsnet uh, 590, the fan, every show from the morning show when I woke up this morning uh, all the way up until my drive home, every time. Topic, uh, had nothing to do with the NHL, NBA, UFC, Major League Baseball. They, they threw in some stuff here and there, but it's all been about Trump, 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 Trump. So let me ask you, being a resident uh, of America, what is going on down there? How have you received this, uh, this information, this news, this big, huge new president you guys have? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. I know that Canada's immigration site crashed due to traffic last night. That is 100% correct. And and I know that if I need to apply for a work visa, I have a couple of respected Canadians that I can list as references on such. Unfortunately, Jimmy Van let me know that Toronto's in or houses in the Toronto area are like a million bucks a pop now. So he'd have to he'd have to come off of uh, off of a raise or something like that. Something would have to happen. But now I'm I'll see how it goes. I'll see how it goes, but I, I let my my thoughts on that be known earlier. There's good and bad. Like I said, as me, I'm a I'm a 31 year old white guy in the middle class who gets paid by Canadians. It's not going to affect me that much. So. Um. So it was obviously, you know, during during my my workday today and dealing with so many different colleagues and and talking about it, you know, that you know, I, I guess as a Canadian and as myself, I'm I'm not heavily into politics. I don't follow it as as closely as perhaps I should, even with my own Canadian politics. You know, I I, I it's not something that I court I sort of pay too much a close attention to. I kind of do look at what I need to look at and understand what what each candidate wants to stand for, but. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, and, and again, I, I have not been channel surfing with television stations, uh, be it you know whether it's NBC, CNN, Fox, uh, or what we have up here. I, I don't hear any of the you know the I guess the editorials and, and people saying what they want to say. But from all I've heard up here, um, 
was pretty much negativity that Trump became the president of the United States. But I find it, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you just, I mean, pull the wool over my eyes if you want to. If he was elected president of the United States, that means the majority of people elected him. Nope. Nope. All right. Not at all. Let me hear he lost it. the popular vote. Lost the popular vote. Won the electoral. So how does that work down there? So this actually happened in 2000 as well, although more controversially. Because we are state-based, we don't want to leave other states out in the cold. So each state is assigned a certain number of electoral votes based on their population. Because you know there are some areas like Los Angeles, New York, Miami, Chicago, almost unanimously Democratic. So, or so, like if it were just a popular vote, it's it's almost a guarantee Democrats win. They've won six of the last seven popular votes, but only five. Or like it's it's much less. It's like I think they've won four of the last seven electoral votes. Now that has led to some controversy, people thinking maybe we need to do electorals for the electoral, but it's all based on population and states are assigned a certain number. Whoever can get above 270 gets it. I'll send you a video, but basically it's so the the best interests of the nation are reflected, but you know, a lot of people are upset because the most people didn't vote for the guy and he got in, but we'll see. We'll see how it works. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe. 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 maybe all right do i have anything to worry about when i head down there to cover titan uh at the end of the month beginning of december end of november beginning of december like my canadian passport's gonna allow me into the country right sean sure <laughs> you just you're coming you're coming across the right border i'll tell you that much oh here we go all right should be fun can That's- i get back home though Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm listen. I'm looking forward to going down to Miami. I love. Uh, I love America. I love traveling to all the different cities out there. I've been to so many, and uh, that's not going to change anytime soon. So. Well, I, I I think that vacations to the to uh, your homeland are going to be much more frequent these days, and especially extended stays. But either way, I don't. We'll we'll see how it how it affects things. We'll, we'll take a, we'll talk a little more politics at the end of the show, perhaps. That way, we'll just save it for them. Either way, UFC 205 is this Saturday, and this is the reason we do this job. This is the whole point, Joe. You've got features coming this week. We've got all kinds of stories coming. David T's has stuff. Live viewing parties, guys. Fightful.com is the place to be. Now, before we get into that, one fight is off that show. It's Tim Kennedy and Rashad Evans. Unforeseen issues regarding uh, medicals arised, and it pulled them both from the show. Now, if Tim Kennedy gives the UFC credit for how they handle the situation, they must be doing a pretty damn good job. Because he has said prior, I may never fight for the UFC again after UFC 205. And not only is he doing that, they have rescheduled or they've targeted the fight for 206, which I think is a great thing. Uh, it's almost a blessing in disguise, Joe, because UFC 205 doesn't miss a damn thing without this fight. But UFC 206, it, it gets a real solid shot in the arm. Now, I say that, and our favorite Nikita Krylov fan, Corey Cropper, really put things in perspective for me a couple of years ago. And he said, and I quote, why would anybody ever pay money to watch a Rashad Evans fight? 
Well, <laughs> on this show, <laughs> on, on 206, I kind of understand why it needed this fight. What do you think of the situation in general, the, the, the medicals, this coming up such last moment? What do you think of them moving into 206 and how it affects both cards? Well, it's definitely, like I said, a shot in the arm for, for UFC 206. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining. I get to see Rashad. Right. Um, I, I understand what you should uh, complain. No, no. I, you know, I know lately Rashad uh, obviously hasn't looked like the Rashad of old when he was the light heavyweight champion in the world. Uh, but uh, from a friend perspective, he's always been a great guy. I see him a lot when I'm in Miami uh, or not a lot. I see him, you know, often when I'm in Miami covering Titans. So um, I've, I've always had a soft spot for, for Rashad Evans. I think he's a fantastic guy. He's not the, the, the fighter that he was in the past. And, you know, it's going to be a, you know, I, I will look forward to seeing this fight here. And especially with Tim Kennedy, all the different stuff that he's been going through and saying and doing uh, over the past little while. So I get to see it in, the, um, you know, in front of my eyes. Chances are you might be there. So, um, all right. So it's, it's, it's something kind of cool. What do you say? 206 is Toronto, right? Or 207 is Toronto. Correct. Two hundred six is Toronto. Yeah, I just I'm getting uh, I'm getting lost here for a second. Yeah, so I don't, I don't to tell you the truth, man. I don't mind seeing this fight. I think it's going to be a, a fun one to watch, and it won't be what we would love to have seen about two three years ago. Uh, but it doesn't do a thing to UFC two hundred five. And I had this conversation before I came on the air. Um, as my wife says to me, she goes, "There's a UFC event on this weekend, isn't there?" I said. I said, honey, let, let me, and she's like, she just looked at me. She goes, don't start with me. I said, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I said, you've heard me say this before, but I'm not joking this time. <laughs> this, this year, multiple times. This is the greatest UFC, the biggest UFC event of all time. Sean, she looked at me and said, yeah, yeah, just like last Saturdays and the Saturday before that. And I just said, no, no, I'm telling you, it, it actually is. She's like, okay, okay. She's like, are you watching it from home or are you going out to watch it? I said, no, 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 I got to do a podcast. I got to do the podcast afterwards. I said, there's a lot of work that's got to be done. So, and Tim getting taken off this card doesn't really do anything, really. It's so stacked yeah. and it's fantastic. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I am concerned about this medical situation, what it actually was, what it actually is. Uh, but the fact that he can fight, um, you know, six weeks later, or not even six weeks later, but a month later, it's, it's, it's kind of puzzling. And Dana White posted a picture of him at 195 pounds. Damn. Dude looked good. Yeah. He looked better than I've ever seen him. So now UFC 206 has Cormier Rumble, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis. If they can make it happen, Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy. You have Krylov versus Sirkinov. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi. You have the return of Lando Venata. Our boy. And you have Valerie Letourneau on the card. Also... Even though it's two guys that are coming off of, I think, back-to-back losses, you have a top 15 flyweight fight in Makovsky versus uh, Dustin Ortiz. So you've got some – that Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy, like we said, doesn't hurt UFC 205 a bit. Honestly, probably helps it a little bit because of that later start time. Um, extra length of the show. I'm cool with them taking a fight off if they're running the show to 2 a.m. But for 206 – Thumbs up. Thumbs up, UFC. You did the right thing. You did the right thing here. I'm cool with that. Now, before we get into 205, John Jones. Oh, boy. Suspended for one year. Did you see his No, I didn't. Oh, my God. I'll pull it up. So, suspended for one year after he took, and I quote, a dick pill. (laughs) 
given to him by a friend. That is his terminology, not mine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the situation is had he disclosed it on his paperwork, he would have probably faced a six-month suspension. However, he did not disclose it. He'll return in July. Now, this is still a pretty damn good scenario for himself and the UFC. Uh, Joe, your take on John Jones, his suspension, also cleared of being, and the arbitrator's, the arbitrator's quote, a drug cheat. He is not a drug cheat. He did not knowingly take something in order to gain an advantage. What do you think this means for John Jones's legacy, and what do you think this ruling means for him personally and the UFC? I, I, to, to be honest with you, and the fact that he got stripped of the interim title, um, again, good call by the UFC on that one there. Um, yeah. Do you feel like this is ever going to end for John Jones? Has he finally learned his lesson? I don't think he has. I don't feel like he has. I, w- I would love to imagine that, yeah, you know what, this is it. I, he, he screwed up enough times to realize, you know, and according to Dana, he's lost about 12 to $15 million with all these transgressions here. Uh, it could be true, could be wrong, could be, you know, inflated numbers, but he's really messed up his career uh, and taken, you know, a long time out of his prime, despite being, you know, you know, we make yeah. the argument he's pound for pound, one of the best in the sport. Um, he, he's taken so much time away that it's almost to the point where it's like, I don't care, man. Like you want to fight, fight. It's who knows what kind of, he's he makes more headlines outside of the octagon sometimes than he does inside the octagon. And we want to see him fight. We just want to see him compete. Sure. We just want to see him do well, but you know, he's not going to be back till July. And again, he was, I wrote the article a while back or, or last week or so that, you know, there's a pay-per-view draw coming back and the UFC's pay-per-view cycle is going to be fantastic closing off 2016 going into 2017. Well, you now need to remove John Jones from that equation because it wasn't too long. I mean, wasn't it Dana White and John Jones that came out and said, listen, man, we found out what this is all about. It's going to be great. He's going to come back way sooner than we anticipated. July 2017, ladies and gentlemen. That is not much sooner than we yeah. anticipated. It's a lot sooner than, than two years, that's for sure. But here's a, here's a look at his profile photo. You see that? You see the crying Jordan face? <laughs> <laughs> at least he's in on the joke at this point. I'll give him credit. He's in on the joke. <laughs> so, hey, he's making the best of it. Now, also announced... He will be on a flow grappling event next month, wrestling Dan Henderson. First off, boy, is he going to kick the living shit out of Dan Henderson in a wrestling match at this stage or not. Um, I think it's a good move for him. I think it's a good move for probably all involved. Dan Henderson's going to make some money. John Jones is going to make some money. It's definitely a great idea for flow. Um, keeps him active. It's about the extent of what he can do. Good move, bad move. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move because um, for a variety of reasons, like you mentioned, number one, it keeps him active, and hopefully he actually trains for this or actually does um, some good training for it. It's not, you're not training for a fight, which is completely different, but you are training for something uh, at somewhat of an elite level. We know Dan Henderson is much older um, and just in a, in a different sort of part of his career. He's not even competing anymore. He's done. But uh, despite having a pretty damn good fight in his last fight there with Bisping, um, 
It also keeps John relevant because maybe not all mainstream media outlets and are, are going to cover it, but we will still cover it. A lot of the MMA sites will cover it, which eventually some way, somehow bleeds in uh, to other mainstream outlets. There's a lot of sites out there that actually go into to mainstream outlets. So it keeps John relevant, keeps him active. It keeps his name in the headlines and in the news. Um, but the, listen, Sean, this guy's a mixed martial artist. He should be fighting in the octagon uh, and, and gaining as much money and, from his brand that he can now, uh, as opposed to fighting for, you know, not in the octagon, if you know what I'm saying. So that being said, we have UFC 205. This is the big one. We will be here right after the the pay-per-view with a podcast. We're going to have articles all week, live viewing parties. We have a live viewing party for Bellator the night before, too, from Israel. I have an interview with uh, Bellator welterweight champion Andre Koreshkov coming soon. That was fun to uh, uh, – I'm sure for, for whoever transcribed that thing, I'm sure that was a blast. <laughs> he spoke through a translator. And the translator's phone was straight dookie. I'll say that much. But um, this show, there's not, re- there, there, there's not really a fight that we can just gloss over and not talk about. There's some we can talk about a little quicker, but – to kick off the show, we've got Liz Carmouche, who hasn't fought in ages. It seems like she hasn't fought since the Rousey fight, but she has. But it's been a year and a half. April 2015, since she beat Lauren Murphy. So glad to see Liz Carmouche back in the cage. But they got her up against a prospect in Caitlin Chikagan. Like, this is a top 15 battle. This is a really good one. I, I, I think it's an excellent way to to start the show as well. It's a, it's a fight past prelim, but... Who you have taken this fight, and got to be good to see Liz back in the cage. Yeah, Liz is a sweetheart. She's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, like you said, she hasn't been competing in a while. It'll it'd be. I'm just going to wonder what kind of you know ring rust quote octagon rust she may or may not have because uh, Caitlin is going to put the pressure on very very quickly and early. And I'm going to assume she's going to do her very best to put Liz on her heels. Uh, and get her moving backwards as much as possible while maintaining distance. Uh, and, but, but keeping, just fighting smart, fighting smart. Um, Liz is going to have her hands full. I think this one will go the full 15 minutes. Um, to say who's going to win, it's going to be hard to say. It's, it, I, I don't know. Is it too early for Caitlin to fight someone like Liz? You can make that argument because Liz has been around. She's fought for that title before. Uh, it, it's one of those fights. I mean, I, I didn't look at the odds of her for any of these fights just yet because that was something I was going to focus on uh, with one of my pieces later this week. But, you know, I, I'd like to lean towards Liz, but that rust, that octagon rust, that ring rust is kind of giving me a, I don't know, this one could be a pick em. Liz Carmouche, since December 2013, has fought twice. That raises concerns with me, but the UFC's really in a win-win situation here because if Caitlin Chikagan wins... She knocked off a former title challenger who was real close to beating Ronda Rousey. Like, that was very close. If Liz Carmouche wins, then they have a former champion who, who knocked off a, an up-and-coming talent, top 15 talent, though. So it's not like it's somebody she's, – she's unheard of. Nobody knows who Caitlin Chikagan is, but it's, it's still – it'd still be a very impressive win. Tiago Alves, Jim Miller. Tiago Alves at 155 pounds. What you think brought that on? Am I allowed to say no comment on the show? Uh-uh. 
um, yeah. Um, change in diet? A little change in horse meat, you know, removing the horse meat from the diet. Um, uh, have you heard from Gleason Tabao lately? Anyways, um, <laughs> Jim Miller, Tiago Alice. Tiago Alice at 155 pounds. It'd be interesting to see. He's still going to suffer. He's still going to suffer cutting a 155. That's not kidding. Uh, say what you will, he's going to suffer to get to 155 pounds, uh, a weight division that Jim Miller knows all too well. Uh, I think, in my opinion, there will be some gassing in this fight. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, and I think <laughs> Jim Miller should emerge victorious in this fight uh, sometime, I'm going to assume, late second, third round. So we, we talked about how Liz Carmouche has been out of the cage for so long. So has Tiago Alves. Since May of 2015, he lost it to Carlos Condit. He doesn't have like a big, big – I mean, the, the him beating Jordan Main, it's a pretty good win. But since like Josh Koscheck in 08, he doesn't have a real standout win. But this is a guy who is also a former title challenger. He was in one of the big fights at UFC 100. So he's in a, in a fight – Definitely a much different situation at UFC 205, but there's there's so much there's like so much unknown about Tiago Alves at this stage. Like one, how's he going to look at age 33, dropping weight? I don't think he's ever fought at lightweight before. I don't think ever. And this is a guy who used to have trouble making 170. And that's, that's yeah, it. and that's what I'm saying. That despite whatever we want to. Um... <laughs> and then, then when he did make weight, he tested positive for diuretic one time. So, hence, hence the term he's going to suffer to make one fifty-five, in my opinion. Yeah. Hmm. And Jim Miller, he brings a fight, no matter who it is. It doesn't matter that Jim Miller is just that guy that no matter who you put him against, whether it's a completely unranked, just jabroni he's he's gonna mow him down but anybody from number one to number 15 it's a toss-up you don't know if he's taking it you don't know if he's if he's losing it and and i mean anybody at 155 even the two guys in the main event you put jim miller in there with him there's no guarantee that they're gonna beat this guy but you know it's not saying that he could knock them off either that's just the way his career has been him and it's it's so funny that he and joe lozon they they've Fought twice because they they have had that similar they they have those similar trajectories. So I'm stoked for that fight. Can't wait for that. That's a really good one. Some good matchmaking there. Vicente Luca versus I believe this is one of I I believe this is your boy Bilal Muhammad. Now, I'll say this. This fight sticks out like a sore thumb on this card, doesn't it? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm sure you did. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't it, – I'm sure it sticks out like a sore thumb to, to Joe too, but for all the right reasons. Now, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from either one of these guys. It's just like, hey, these dudes got a good spot, didn't they? Yeah, they're on a pretty – Damn stuff. Uh, you can really make some noise for yourself considering uh, you're kicking off the show on Fox. So get ready to rock and roll. And you know that you've seen Bilal compete twice in the octagon, and this guy brings it. No ifs, no ands, or buts. This guy loves to fight. Uh, and, you know, don't even ask me for 
Bray Payton is going to win this fight. Uh, it'll be very, very difficult for me to start picking against Bilal Muhammad until he really starts moving up the 170-pound ladder because, you know, he's just – I mean, I, I, I feel like I owe this guy so much gratitude for some of the stuff that he was able to do for our broadcast at Titan that I will never turn my back on this guy and pick against him. Uh, well, eventually, I may, I may have to because he'll start – competing against people that I know on a personal level as well and have to really make a decision. Uh, but Vincente, his pal, he's competing against uh, Oche's pal. You know, it's going to be a tough fight for Bilal. This is getting better. Uh, he's getting stiffer competition. Um, but yeah, you know what? I think Bilal's going to going to get up to 170 pound rankings he just keeps bringing it uh and he understands his placement on this card he understands he is kicking off uh the fox prelims so he knows he's got to put on a show because well, when doesn't he put on a show uh but yeah i'm looking forward to him competing it's just uh he always puts a smile on my face you know that sean i was gonna say like as we started to talk about this i was gonna say Joe, it seems like every other month we've talked about him fighting. We have talked about him every other damn month since we launched the site because he fights all the time. Every two months, like clockwork, he has fought in the UFC. So the boy's uh, got to get paid. Props to him for staying active. That's awesome. So he's looking to get into that six digits this year. That's what he's trying to do. Uh, looking forward to that fight. Also, Rafael Natal versus Tim Boach. Tim Boach, just like I said, the kind of guy you can never count out, even if he's lost three fights in a row, even if he's lost two of eight, or if he's won two of eight, you just never know how it'll end up with a guy like Tim Boach. This is a guy who he and Natal have had way different trajectories. Like Tim Boach has lost three of his last four. Natal has won four of his last five. That being said, the UFC, like how I said that earlier was a win-win situation, this isn't a win-win situation, but it's certainly a no-lose situation because I don't see any major plans for either one of these two guys. But it's a hell of a fight to put together. Yeah, I, I, I mean, when you look at this, the way these two guys match up, you start wondering yourself, what does this fight really mean? Well, hey, it's a fight on the con contract you have to compete and but what does it mean for the rankings and what does it mean for each guy we know Tim Boach is he's had his run Natalia could probably say the same thing he's had his run but if there's more upside I guess you can think of Natal, but Boach has the bigger name in my opinion. So it's a fun fight to say the least. They're going to stand and bang. They're going to go at each other hard. Uh, I'm going to give that speed advantage to Natal, believe it or not. But at the same time, Boach has the power advantage. And if it gets closer in the clinch, Natal won't be afraid but whatever he can uh, with his dirty boxing to cause some damage. I think this one's going to be a 15-minute, uh, you know, in, in the great words of Jim Ross, slobber knocker. I mean, these guys are going to go back and forth over and over again uh, until somebody either goes down or the time runs out. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Unfortunately, uh, I would love to have seen this fight. Um, you know, we talked about Tim Kennedy and the uh, Rashad Evans fight. This would have been a nice one to see about three, four years ago as well. So it's maybe it's got a little vintage flavor to it, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good tilt, and don't don't step away uh, from your television. Don't leave your seat if you're at the arena. This one's going to be a fun one to watch. This Friday is Veterans Day, so I want to definitely thank all of our veterans. And in honor of them, I have I have a certain group of military friends. I've never served, but as they like to say, they've been – in the shit. After this fight, we are in the shit, Joe. 
because it gets really real. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the former number one lightweight, until Tony Ferguson, I believe, rightfully unseated him, and I was a Tony Ferguson doubter before this weekend. Khabib Nurmagomedov against Michael Johnson. Just like I said about Tim Boach, just like I said with Jim Miller, Michael Johnson is not the kind of guy that you would expect to make a run into title, but Michael Johnson is the kind of guy you could never count out against anybody in the division. Because as we saw against Dustin Poirier, I had completely written him off, and then he put Dustin Poirier to sleep in about 90 seconds. Um, He's facing Khabib Nurmagomedov, and Khabib has not faced this type of competition uh, in two and a half years since Dos Anjos. How do you think this goes? I think it's great that uh, Khabib got that fight against Daryl Horcher earlier this year. I think it's great that it, it still happened. How do you think this one's going to go? Because Khabib has to win this fight if he wants to be in that title conversation now because Tony Ferguson made a big statement last weekend. I'm wondering if come Saturday or, excuse me, Sunday morning when we do the podcast, if you're actually going to say Habib Nurmagomedov is officially the number one contender again. I think he does emerge victorious in this fight. Um, Taking nothing away from, from Johnson because he's just – Continue to surprise everyone in the strangest of ways. You think he's going to win, he loses. You think he's going to get his ass whooped, he ends up winning. Uh, a la Dustin Poirier, that incredible fight there, that stand and bang, and the way he was able to slip those punches or land the uppercut and just do what he does. But um, despite Nurmagomedov's time off, and, and quote-unquote people call a tune-up fight, uh, I think Habib is going to emerge victorious in this fight here, make that statement, provided he has his head in the fight, which I'm sure he will, despite his current, you know, public disgust with the UFC, Conor McGregor uh, got this title shot, and he keeps getting, you know, it, it's it's a theory that that you know may never get spoken out loud, but it's one of those things that's sort of when it comes to UFC fighters, or, or, or you know, it, it's 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 a hard one to explain. Sometimes. You necessarily, in my opinion, this is pure speculation uh, and, and just based on my own conversations with people in the industry, peers and whatnot, and, and you know, never, 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 they don't really want champions that can't really, you know, they, they may not want champions that, um, and Nurmagomedov could easily become a world champion, which would be fantastic for their entry into, into Russia, over into Europe and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, if you could sort of, delay it here and there until it has to happen. I could understand if the UFC did that, but there's going to come a time, in my opinion, when you just can't. And he's already – did he not say that if he doesn't get a title shot after this, he's going to walk and the UFC will never be allowed into Russia because he will block them? Yeah, and somehow I don't doubt that that's possible given what I've seen in the political landscape over the last 24 hours. So uh, anything is possible in this world. Now, here, here's my thing. All due respect to Khabib Nurmagomedov, you got to beat somebody besides Daryl Horcher in the last two and a half years. You got to do it. That doesn't get you a title shot. Had he been ready to fight right after Dos Anjos? Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. I'm all aboard the Khabib uh, hype train. Now, beating Michael Johnson is going to answer a lot of questions because Khabib striking has never looked solid, in my opinion. It's looked okay. 
But Michael Johnson's going to test that. You better believe he knows what's up on the ground. And he is, and Michael Johnson probably has no desire to go to the ground because we have seen Khabib literally take people down almost two dozen times in one fight. It's like it was a game. Like he was playing EA UFC 2 and he was just trolling people. Okay, I'll just throw you down again. That, that's Khabib. But uh, Michael Johnson can put anybody in that division to sleep, so that's going to be a real big test. A bigger test than Michael Johnson's record would indicate, in my opinion. We have another awesome fight on Fox Sports 1. Now, these are just the free fights we've been talking about, you guys. Former UFC lightweight champion Frankie Edgar against Jeremy Stevens. Now, some of you may ask, Jeremy you Stevens? That clip. You could have played that clip right there if you had <laughs> saved it into the system. It would have been a perfect opportunity for you to hit the button looked, and hear Conor for, McGregor's voice. I looked for the solo soundbite, so here's why. Yesterday, <laughs> in the midst of all this election talk, somebody tried to say it was on – you all may know Shane Helms, the Hurricane. You know who he is? Yep. The wrestler of the Hurricane? Okay. Friend of mine, he's on Facebook. And he posts some controversial stuff. And he was asking about, like, why IDs are mandatory for voting or why they're not. And somebody said, you can get arrested for walking around without an ID. And I'm like, no, you can't. That's not a thing that, that's real. And this <laughs> dude who was a wrestler, an indie wrestler, I guess, I found out. He was like, <laughs> he was like trying to troll me. And he goes, he was like, that's why you failed in the wrestling business. I'm like, I make my full-time living in the wrestling business. I don't know. And I wanted to hit him with the, who the fuck is that guy? Because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and apparently he was a wrestler. I didn't know him. But I didn't want to be that guy. But I, I let it go. But I was like, man. But then I looked on my Facebook profile. I have myself listed as low-level pro wrestler, like sarcastically. I was like, shit, I wrestle twice a year for charity. (laughs) (laughs) I never made a go at that. I wouldn't have anyway. It's not my thing. But I wanted to use that soundbite for that. And I was like, oh, gosh, I need to get that soundbite. It's isolated. But I I couldn't find it anywhere just that quote. So I was like, ah, I don't want to come back like six hours later with it because then I look like a real jackass. (laughs) Facebook, man. Me if if you all don't have me and Shane Helms on your all time Facebook shit starting team, you're doing it wrong because we stir it up. Either way, Frankie Edgar versus Jeremy. Who the f is that guy, Stevens? You have to believe that Jeremy Stevens is forever changed due to that. He is going to be looking to to. Tell people who the fuck he is. Pardon my language. And Frankie Edgar, man, he was so close to that McGregor fight. Had he won, this would be him in the main event. It would be probably Edgar versus McGregor. Because McGregor is smart. And he knows that that would be the draw. Edgar's got to keep plugging away. How do you think this one goes? Uh, I think Frankie wins this fight. No chance in hell I would ever pick against Frankie Edgar, despite my disappointment uh, in that bout versus Jose Aldo Jr. and the way it went down. Jose Aldo was just on a completely different level than Frankie Edgar, and that says a lot 
because did everything possible to try and tag. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Jose Aldo and Jose Aldo appeared to be looking at Frankie Edgar like he was in slow motion. Uh, there's just a different level with the guys at the very top of this division. And I believe Frankie Edgar is at the top of his division. Whereas Jeremy Stevens is on the cusp. He's there. He could be in the conversation. I just think Frankie is better despite Jeremy's power. And despite that he can knock Frankie into the second row, totally get that, totally understand that. I just think Frankie's pace, um, you know, I'm not saying he's got that Dominic Cruz footwork, but his pace is going to be just a little too much for Jeremy Stevens. uh, And eventually he will catch him. Um, Can this fight go 15 minutes? Of course it can. Um, I don't think it will. I think Frankie's going to prove a point here uh, and then, potentially take a shot at Conor McGregor again uh, or mention something. He may not take a shot at him, but just say, listen, man, let's do this. we got to figure this out. Let's do it because uh, we don't know what Jose Aldo is going to do because he flip-flops uh, with his opinion, whether he's fighting, retiring, leaving, coming back, not fighting. Uh, we don't know. So with a victory here, Frankie Edgar can really um, continue to keep himself relevant, position himself in that title mix, uh, depending on whatever Conor McGregor decides to do, depending on what he does in the main event on Saturday night. Then maybe Edgar versus the winner of Pettis Holloway for the interim interim championship. (laughs) (laughs) The UFC could have a very similar problem at 145 that they had at 135 for years. Frankie Edgar, you compare him to, he's always drawn comparisons to Uriah Faber. Um, They even had a a quote-unquote super fight. I thought it was a super fight personally, but can't always knock off those top guys, but he's beating everybody else, and I don't know if anybody else can beat him. So that's that's a real issue. Main event or main card pay per view. Former UFC bantamweight champion Nisha Tate versus Raquel Pennington. Now, a lot of people, much like with Jeremy Stevens, may say, "Who the f is Raquel Pennington?" Well, let me tell you who Raquel Pennington is. She is incredibly underrated for one. She had, at the time, I thought was one of the better women's MMA fights I'd ever seen with my buddy Jessamine Duke uh, on The Ultimate Fighter. That was a real banger. I loved that fight. But since coming to the UFC, Joe, she is 4-2 and two with her two losses being split decisions. So uh, on any given night, if there would have been one different judge on each of those panels, she could be 6-0 and oh in the UFC. Now, I didn't think her fight with Holly Holm was as close as the scorecard read. I thought Holly Holm took that fight. But uh, she has shown that she can weather storms. She's shown that she can finish people. Uh, I go back to that Ashley Evans-Smith bulldog choke. Man, yay, you want to get on my good side. 
Finishing somebody <laughs> with a bulldog choke is a fantastic way to do it. Uh, especially putting them in a situation where they can't sit out of it. Oh, man. That was sick. This is a hell of a fight. Uh, Raquel Pennington, however, one of those girls who, like, it, she probably really wishes there was a 125 division because she she would really benefit from that. And with Joanna Janjacek saying, hey, I might retire in a year or two because of these weight cuts and things like that, Maybe 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 a one twenty five division ends up coming, but this is a solid fight, hell of a fight. A former champion versus uh, someone who at any given time could probably challenge for that title. Uh, what do you got here? About Raquel Pennington and your setup there. Not much talk about Misha Tate and my my in thinking about this fight here. Uh, Raquel's going to be super hungry uh, to take out her former coach on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, while Misha's got to be thinking, you know, what the hell happened to me? I became the champion and I lost it. I was ready to go on this run and, you know, I got my nose busted. What, what, and I got to now do this all over again while Ronda Rousey is now stepping in there and and fighting for the title. So Misha's got to be one miserable woman, right? What is going on here? So, Wherever her I'll say head's this, at. Hey, one victory, she could be right back there. And Tate versus Rousey three is a real possibility, especially if the UFC thinks that Rousey might not be around for a long time because they're going to milk that cow while it's there. And no, I'm not calling Rousey or Tate cows, so don't give me that shit, guys. Cash cows. It's just a well. Yes, cash cows. And 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 that view of things yes they are cows because they are worth both worth a lot of money but tate has won five of her last six she dropped that fight against amanda nunez but she could be right there if rousey wins and if if tate wins against pennington yeah it's it's to me it's just a matter of where's misha's head heading into this fight and i'm about 99.9 percent confident it's going to be in the right place um think in essence for your theory to come true, she's got to get a finish and she's got to make a statement in this fight uh, and then do the right thing on the mic afterwards um, because I, I got to think she's just so pissed at herself and pissed at the situation, the way it went down. It was like, I was the champion. I was the, She finally got what she wanted and was ready to go on this run and it just, just boom, disappeared on her. Uh, and then Ronda comes back and gets the title shot. So to me, it's like, I think she should win this fight. I really, really do. Uh, but I think she's got to make a serious statement uh, with, a, with either a beatdown, a TKO, or a finish um, that's going to send that place, send MSG in the world it's sort of in, in this shock and awe sort of theory. Um, yeah, I, I do think she's going to win, Sean. It won't be easy because Raquel's going to try and make her own little statement here because if she takes out Misha Tate, Holy smoke is the vision again, an absolute disaster. We've been saying it for months. This division is, is insane. Uh, at one point people were, were laughing when it was introduced into the UFC. Meanwhile, it's nonstop conversation. Uh, anytime these ladies at 135 compete. Kelvin Gastelum, Donald Cerrone. Now this is very interesting because if Donald Cerrone wins, he's right up there. He is a contender. And and to be honest with you, if for if for some reason 
something happened and Wonderboy Thompson couldn't fight, you know Donald Cerrone's asking for that title fight at 205 this week. And the thing is, he could win it. He could win it. There's no reason he couldn't. He's facing Kelvin Gastelum. Now, the interesting thing is when Kelvin Gastelum has lost, it's usually against people who don't pressure him. That ain't Donald Cerrone. That is not (laughs) Donald Cerrone at all. This is not going to be Gastelum Hendricks. It's not going to be Gastelum Magny. It's not going to be Gastelum Woodley. It's not going to be Gastelum Rick Story. It's certainly as hell not going to be Gastelum versus Uriah Hall. Donald Cerrone is a guy, you know what he's going to do, and sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. Now, Gastelum is supremely talented. Not only that, he's 25 years old. He's still evolving. But, man, the kind of role that Donald Cerrone has been on has been overlooked, Joe. Like, I just don't think people understand it. It's hard to think. He doesn't really give you time to understand it. He doesn't give you time to comprehend it. But let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's won 11 of his last 12 fights. <laughs> the only person to beat him in the last three and a half years is Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, the only people to beat him in the last like seven years are Ben Henderson, Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Dos Anjos. He has wins over Ben Henderson, Eddie Alvarez. Now, granted, he should not have had that win over Ben Henderson. And then he jumped right up to welterweight, and it's like, oh, no problem. No big deal. He got taken down a little bit by Rick Story, popped up, <laughs> hit him with the, the old – uh, four-punch combination ever, or the, the greatest four-strike combination ever. Now, I've taught kickboxing. I used to teach women's kickboxing at Iron Fist Gym, and I've tried to replicate that, like his – his mechanics. It's so effortless for him. It's so effortless. Like there's no bringing your hand back. There's no, like it's perfect. It was a perfect combination. I see him being able to do that. I don't want to say with relative ease, but I, I don't know. Probably outside of maybe the the two guys that are competing for the title, I think would give him the most trouble, ironically, with that. And, you know, one Damian Maya who he's called out because Damian Maya may grab a hold of him. Oh, just another great fight. And Donald Cerrone, he is, I think he could be, well, I don't want to say the next big UFC pay-per-view draw, but I don't know how he's not a big UFC pay-per-view draw already. I, I, people love him. I know for a fact people love him. People do talk about him, um, not as much as as you know we would talk about Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, George St. Pierre, uh, but people do always mention Cowboy to me in passing. So um, when this fight first got put together, the first thing that went through my mind was, is there an opportunity that Kelvin Gaslow? I'm going to propose this question to you, Sean, because I've had this conversation with a few other people. My initial answer was yes and quickly turned to no, and I'll tell you why after you give me your answer. Is there an opportunity here that Kelvin Gastelum potentially could big brother Donald Cerrone? Sure, absolutely. I think so. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum is a 170-pounder that probably should be fighting at 185 uh, if because you know he's, he's had some issues, a lot of issues with weight. Donald Cerrone is a 170-pounder who has said that he could make 145 if the money was right. But he is a natural 170-pounder. I think it's absolutely possible 
that Kelvin Gastelum, big brother's Donald Cerrone. It's just a matter of if he can do it before Donald Cerrone hits some killer instinct ultra combo and sends him into the spike pit like it's Mortal Kombat. Like, and he's capable of doing that right out of the gate. He Donald Cerrone usually likes to warm himself up a little bit first, but this is, this is I don't want to say a toss-up. I've got Cerrone winning this fight, but I don't think it's out of the question of Gasolum taking control of this at all. Now, in, in saying that, you take a look at Gaslam, the way he competes and the way he likes to put pressure on. It's not as much as Donald Cerrone would put pressure on somebody, but we're talking about a guy like you mentioned that you know potentially could be competing at 185 pounds versus a guy that says he can make 145 pounds. Knowing fighting the way you and I know, that just is Latin for there is going to be a speed advantage for Donald yes. Cerrone. Now, if for some odd reason, not for some odd reason, if – Gaslam can big brother him, get him into the clinch, take him down to the ground. The question is, who's got a better ground game? I lean towards Donald Cerrone. I do too. And the thing is, his tech not only is his speed going to be an advantage, but his technique. Like they're not even in the same universe as far as striking technique. Donald Cerrone all day, and he doesn't spar anymore. Like, which is a great idea for him, I think. But I'm I'm real I'm always really excited to watch Donald Cerrone fight and he wants to fight Damian Maya in uh at, at 207. Now if, if <laughs> it's just so crazy. If, yeah. He he knows he knows what's up. Donald Cerrone man. I gosh, if he were 5 years younger, the UFC would market him like just like crazy. I don't know why they don't already. Get what you can out of him. Chris Weidman, Yoel Romero, the winner of this, given the fact that the Rockhold Jacare fight got pulled, they're probably getting a title shot. This is going to answer a whole lot of questions. Now, Yoel Romero is 39 years old. And this was the, the same question I had about Alexis Villa a few years ago. It's like, when does it run out? When does it run out? And for Alexis Villa... When it ran out, boy, did it run out. Because he can't buy a fight these days. Uh, he can't buy a victory these days. Uh, for those of you who don't know who that is, uh, check out his knockout win over Joe Warren and Bellator. But Chris Weidman, also I have questions about him too because he had neck surgery this summer. And Kurt Angle was like, hey – uh, get at me about some tips. If Kurt Angle's giving you tips about neck surgery, don't. <laughs> don't fight probably ever. And I love Kurt Angle, but no, don't do it. This is a hell of a fight. This is a this is a main event. This is a main event fight. Any way you cut it. How do how do you think this one's going down? Um I'd like to give you my opinion, but I know it's going to be biased if I ask George St. Pierre because, according to George, Chris Weidman is the best middleweight. Um, you know, he he told me about why Anderson Silva, and he said, "You watch, you watch, you watch, you watch what he does to Anderson Silva." And I was like, "Okay, George, whatever, buddy. Like, I know you're the welterweight <laughs> champ of the world." And blah. he goes, "No, no, 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 no. You you watch." And you know, he's been singing Weidman's praises for the longest time. 
time. Uh, I'm definitely not saying I've never been sold on Weidman. Obviously, I have. The guy's fantastic. He's done what he's done. Uh, you know, I've had Ray Longo and, and Matt Sierra chirp. Those guys talk. As you know, they don't stop talking. They just yip and yap nonstop. So they, and they, they talked my ear off about Weidman. Still wasn't overly sold on him. Saw him fight in the UFC. Did a fantastic job. Became the champion. Uh, defended his title. Uh, did great. And then had that fight with Rockhold. And I was like, Defended it twice. Yeah, right. Then he had the fight with Rockhold, and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on or here?" Three, three times rather. Defended his okay. title successfully three times. Um, whereas I'm, I'm not saying I'm not sold on Weidman. I always, I mean, the, the guy is fantastic. He's great, but I've always been sold on Yoel Romero because when he decides to just mm-hmm. go, it is going to be ugly. And I, I think he's going to take it to Weidman, and I think he emerges victorious. I think, you know, the soldier of God is going to do his thing. Uh, he's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, then again, Weidman is fighting in his backyard, so he is going to have the Madison Square Garden audience just going absolutely ballistic for him. And that gives a lot to fighters, man. It's a lot of pressure competing at home. I've heard it a thousand times. I've heard it from Rich Franklin. I've heard it from George St. Pierre before that it is not easy competing at home. But this is something that he's wanted for a very long time. Uh, so he will use that as a platform uh, perhaps when he has to dig deep in this fight here. And I think he's going to have to dig deep in this fight. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be finished, but if he does get finished, I won't be surprised. Well, as we've seen with Stipe Miocic, fighting in your hometown, not always a good thing. Well, it worked out for Stipe, but Stipe has said he'd rather fight in New York than Cleveland at this point. Do you think Chris Reidman would rather fight in Cleveland than New York? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, that's, a, that's just top, top flight fight right there. Ioana uh, and Jacek. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who do you think is going to win? Why? Well, I, mean, right. I think I think Romero might get dragged into deep waters. Oh boy! All right, I do, and drowned. Yawani and Jacek, Carolina <laughs> Kovalkovic. Carolina had one of the coolest stories I had ever heard. Uh, she talked to Jim Edwards of Flow Combat this week, and she said four years ago, before my first fight, I bought my shorts for a dollar at a secondhand store, and now I'm on an ad in Times Square. I was like, that just shows you. However, I don't think this Cinderella story is going to end too hot for her. Uh, I think Joanna Janjacek is going to brutalize her. I don't think it's going to be close. I got Joanna taking this one. Sean Rossap, this is one of those fights. It's the very reason a long time ago, uh, when I was working with UCC and TKO, when I was first asked, what do you think of women's mixed martial arts? Um, and I always said, you know what? No problem. Women want to get in there. They can get in there. And back then, most women in mixed martial arts, they're okay. They're pretty. Nowadays, they're bombshells. And I'm old school, man. I'm an old school Italian. You know, you, you know, you treat your women like absolute gold. You know, you keep that pretty face as beautiful as you can. So when I see these beautiful women stepping in there and competing, there's a soft side inside of me that says they have absolutely every right to do it, but that face is going to get damaged. 
I was I had a meeting two days ago uh, at a local establishment up here, and I walked in, opened the door, and there's the UFC 205 poster. Before they even asked me if I was going to watch it there, whose face did I stare at first? It wasn't Conor McGregor's. It was Carol Carolina's face. And I'm like, you're fighting Joanna. Oh, my God. I feel bad for her. Oh, yeah. Johanna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jacek is a murderer. And you've heard my story about when I first interviewed Johanna for the very first time, how I got trapped in the conversation, looking into her eyes and thinking, you are the sweetest person ever. And then I realized you could kill me. You are a murderer. And I think she's just... This is a different fight for Johanna because this, this is about Polish bragging rights. This is about going back home and what I'm the queen of Poland. Okay. She may not actually go home because she's in the States, whatever, living and training, blah, blah. But this is Polish bragging rights. This is a, a, an emotional fight for her. Uh, it's about pride, man. It's about pride for both of them. And Johanna's going to try and prove a point here. And I feel bad for Carolina. Listen, if Carolina can do it, fantastic. I don't think she can, Sean. I'm with you. I'm with you. Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson. There's a lot of things to look for in this fight. Uh, Stephen Thompson. Has such a unique style. Like I've watched so many of his fights. Like when he goes southpaw and he starts throwing those those kicks, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. Now the same same point. Tyron Woodley, he doesn't care if you're a southpaw or you're orthodox. He could take you down just the same. He can knock you out just the same. And I don't think I think that this lack of love that New York has shown him is affecting him a little bit. He wants to be loved by them so bad, but it ain't happening. It, just be be a jerk and go for the kill. But Stephen Thompson, who'd he lose to? Matt Brown? Man, that's that's a that's a really tough fight to look at and say, well, I got the blueprint down on how to beat this guy. Because not a lot of people fight like Matt Brown. And not a lot of people fight like Matt Brown when he had to switch things up for that. This is another big fight that gets the benefit of being on a Conor McGregor on a, on a New York City card because this could headline a pay-per-view, but it wouldn't do that well. But on second from the top on this show, it's going to do real well, Joe. That is, that is promotion 101. What you just explained right there is mixed martial arts promotion 101 and building stars and putting the right match underneath a mega headliner. The winner of this fight, uh, I think, potentially, okay, could be a household name uh, after Saturday night, uh, whoever, whoever emerges victorious, because you know prior to those two stepping into the octagon, it's going to be the highlight reels and the, and the explanation of how this fight got put together and the stories and the backstories are going to be told, and you're going to have to – people that have never heard of them or don't understand them or barely know them are going to have to make a decision as to who they want to win and how that, that – that's how emotional programming works. You, you, you're attached to somebody. Now you want to see them win. You're going to see that happen on Saturday night. And the way these two are matched up with one another, like you said, whenever Stephen – the first time I had a chance to see Stephen Thompson compete, I called one of his fights. Uh, he actually competed in the only kickboxing fight that we had a, on a card, uh, an all MMA or an MMA card with one kickboxing fight for Apex Championship Fighting. I think it was back in 2003, uh, so it's about 13 years ago when I first met him and his dad, Roy. 
And what I saw in the ring was just like, oh, my God, this guy is throwing high kicks when they're literally in the clinch. His foot would just come up and shin kick a guy, and he was going backwards and throwing spinning things. I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my in front of my eyes. And will he be able to do that with Tyron Woodley? Like you mentioned, Tyron doesn't give a in the great words of Stone Cold Steve Austin's rat's ass about what you bring to the cage. He, he's going to be in your face putting on some pressure. Now, um, we saw what happens when he gets outstruck. Um, he's just got to be careful, but then he fights Robbie Lawler and does what he did. Now, uh, not to say Robbie Lawler doesn't have any footwork, but Robbie Lawler will be more than happy to sit there, uh, be stagnant, and stand there and stand and bang. Thompson won't. Wonderboy will not sit there and allow Tyron to do that. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see if Tyron can actually get because he's going to be explosive. We know that. He's going to wait for his opportunity. But while he's waiting for that opportunity, uh, and it's going to have to likely be a counter situation, Wonderboy's going to pepper him. Wonderboy's going to pepper him. If he doesn't get off properly, doesn't get off right, he's going to start losing rounds. And it's a five-round fight. You need to win three of the five rounds. So remains to be seen how this fight's going to go. It's a difficult one to pick. But Tyron needs one power punch to really hurt Thompson. And if that happens could be ugly and over real quick. Thompson's stance prevents – it's really good at preventing the, the, those types of punches. So I, I'm really interested to see how that plays out as well. But it's it's just so hard to make it work from there. And generally when you're in that stance, getting kicked in the knee, like those downward kicks to the knee is a concern. Not against Tyron Woodley. He doesn't throw kicks like that. So – Stephen Thompson's style is very good, I think, for for this fight. But if it goes to the ground, it's like I, I think it's Woodley all day there. So that that remains to be seen. Also, there's another fight on the show. Eddie Alvarez, Conor McGregor, real quick. You care about it? No, uh, it's. I mean, who's tuning in for that? Double, well, not double championship. Eddie Alvarez defends the lightweight championship against Conor McGregor. This is a categorically different fight than McGregor's other fight above 145 pounds in the UFC. They are the same height, but McGregor has a distinct reach advantage. And when you are Conor McGregor and you have a distinct reach advantage, you have to be really, really happy about that considering how accurate he is, how good he is about keeping people on the end of his punches. Like Eddie Alvarez is a 69-inch reach. McGregor's at like 75 or 74, something like that. One thing I want to address, it's something that somebody brought up to me, and they're like, Conor McGregor says that fighters are never the same after they fight him. That's not true. I completely disagree. Jose Aldo won his last fight, but he's so messed up about Conor McGregor that he wants to retire. He wants to fight McGregor or he doesn't want to fight at all. Where's Chad Mendez right now? He ain't fighting for the next two years. Where's Dennis Seaver been for the last year? He ain't been winning, I know that much. Nate Diaz, much like Jose Aldo, does not want to fight again unless he fights Conor McGregor. Where's Diego Brandau? Because he ain't in the UFC. Where's uh, Marcus Brimage? He ain't in the UFC either. 
Dustin Poirier got the hell out of the division, which he needed to do well before. He's pro- he and Max Holloway are really the best cases, in my opinion, for saying, well, no, Conor McGregor doesn't change people. It seems to me like his mind games go f- much further than the fight that actually happens. It sticks with these people for a lifetime. Now, I'm not going to say that he's going to mow down Eddie Alvarez or even beat him, but I watched this embedded, and I think that Alvarez is hashtag gotten to. <laughs> well, to start off your when you started off breaking down the fight, you mentioned um, reach. Uh, and for anyone that doesn't understand reach, uh, I'm not sure, Sean, if you've ever read this book here. By Reed? Yeah. Fightnomics. Yes, I have. Did you read the back? My name's right there. Anyways. Is uh, it? Yeah, it is. It is uh, second to the bottom. I'm above Stefan Bonner, below Kenny Florian, with Chael Sonnen and Greg my, Jackson. I need, I need to get my copy back. He actually wrote a chapter started because of a conversation him and I had about scoring in mixed martial arts. But the one beautiful thing that – there's a couple things in this book that are absolutely just amazing. I know, I know it's got its critics and stuff like that. But one of the things that Reed talks about that I loved was the importance of the clinch. This is why I talked to you about the Kelvin Gastelum-Donald Cerrone fight, uh, but yeah. reach and the stats showing what happens when a certain amount of reach between two opponents hits four inches, five inches, and above. Uh, in this fight here, if I'm not mistaken, it's a six-inch reach advantage for Conor McGregor. That is super bad news for Eddie Alvarez, uh, especially considering it's, the- it's listed. It's listed at five, but uh, you know how accurate are they? So okay, even at five, that's where the the the, the scale sort of goes up, uh, and you can start looking at it, a bad situation for the guy with the lower reach. Um, Conor McGregor's precision is is insane what i'm concerned about is you know not that he's been injury prone but in that fight with diaz the last fight with diaz we saw the 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 conor mcgregor we thought was going to show up and then all of a sudden whoa boy he got injured and the pace slows down again it's a five-round fight he's entered into another five-round fight he will be ready uh, but Eddie Alvarez is going to put the pressure on him. And I see Eddie Alvarez doing anything and everything possible to get past that reach and just use those thunderous body shots to punish McGregor uh, nonstop. That's what I'm looking at in this fight here. If he continues to land them while defending himself, it's going to be a long night for Conor McGregor, in my opinion. If he can't do that and Conor McGregor does what Conor McGregor does going to hold two titles and make UFC history. Now, an interesting thing about McGregor's style, he is able to avoid body shots in the middle of the cage very well because of that reach and his stance where he's, he's out like this a lot. It's really, really hard to get inside of him on the body. So Diaz worked to do that up against the cage. I would like to think uh, McGregor is probably trained to stay away from that a lot. And Nate Diaz and his brother are really two of the best in the sports history about working someone up against the cage and going at their body. I can't count how many times I've seen one of the Diaz boys and they get somebody's back to a cage. That's the fight. That's a wrap. That's like Ronda Rousey grabbing a hold of your arm. That's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like Crow Cop throwing a left head kick. 
you're cooked after that. And Conor McGregor was able to surprisingly survive that. Now, I say that I think Eddie Alvarez may have a little bit more power behind his – or not a little bit. I think he has a lot more power behind his punches than Nate Diaz does. He has, he has went the distance with regularity since like 2012, I think. But he's had a – like he's not had a dominant fight outside of the Dos Anjos fight in the last four years. That's it. The Chandler fight, close. The Cerrone fight, he lost. The Melendez and Pettis fight, those were close. And now he's facing, in my opinion, a much more accurate striker than any of those guys. If he had struggles with Anthony Pettis earlier this year, I wonder how the McGregor fight will go. Because McGregor, in my opinion, has much more power than Anthony Pettis, even at 155. It's such an interesting fight, and in my opinion, Alvarez has to get inside. He has to apply pressure. Also, I mean, McGregor does have the benefit. He went five rounds a couple months ago. Alvarez has not went five rounds in three years. I'm sure he does in training all the time, and but he hasn't been taken that far. McGregor knows now that he can make it. He can make it. Even if he's exhausted in, in the second round, he can make it happen. This fight is – it's going to be history-making for one way or the other. And if McGregor loses, he's going to drop down to 145 and defend that title because that's what McGregor does. This is going to be a legendary night, Joe. I cannot wait for UFC 205. Uh, we will have a post-show podcast. We've got all kinds of stuff all the, the media you need from UFC 205 is at Fightful.com. Go there, register. We'll be here with Matt Riddle tomorrow afternoon. The show is open to non-members as well. I made sure that uh, Joe's was too this week. That way, you know, it's these are time sensitive this week, especially. Usually we have to make Joe's available for non-members anyway because we're previewing an event that happened Saturday, you know. But Joe... Uh, we went, we went well over our, our normal hour, but uh, any anything you want to leave the people with, besides telling them to follow Fightful online on Twitter, before this legendary show, you've got several pieces that will release this week. Yeah, and, and I, I'm hoping my wife watches this podcast, uh, so she believes <laughs> that the fact that this event on Saturday is, in fact, an unbelievable event and potentially the greatest and biggest UFC event of all time. We know it is. Uh, the articles will speak for themselves. This podcast will speak for itself. It's going to be a long Saturday. Uh, we will likely be exhausted after the pay-per-view, but I'm looking forward to discussing whether or not Conor McGregor made history, uh, whether my boy Bilal Muhammad won, whether Frankie Edgar won. If if you know Sean was corrected, Chris Weidman, I'm right with you all, Romero. So much to discuss, and we it's only Wednesday. I mean, there's so much still that has to go on. So looking forward to it and uh, catching up with everybody uh, on here uh, fightful on Saturday, but, uh, yeah, check out the site uh, for more of my articles. I'm looking forward to writing some interesting pieces. Guys, I am back tomorrow afternoon with Matt Riddle. We have all kinds of news updates, MMA, boxing, pro wrestling on the site, live viewing party of UFC 205. Our forums are up now. Use them. They're awesome. We're going to be doing contests and stuff. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, UFC 205's uh, podcast won't be like an hour and 45 minutes like our UFC 200 one was. 
or yeah, I think it was UFC 200. Jeez, because we got to get some sleep. But we'll be here right after UFC 205. Until next time, guys, thank you very much. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.